Okay, so good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to call the Social Services Committee meeting for the Board of Supervisors to order. The clerk would take the roll. Supervisor Miley? Here. Supervisor Tam? Present. Okay. Do you need to give any in instructions for remote participation? For remote participation, if you'd like to speak on an item, please use the raise your hand function. You can find the teleconferencing guidelines at www.acgov.org. All right, thank you. So we have two items on today's agenda. The first is a CalWORKs informational report. Good afternoon, President Mylene, Supervisor Tam, community members, Director Ford and staff. My name is Amada Robles, Assistant Agency Director, and I oversee the Department of Workforce and Benefits Administration of the Social Services Agency. It is my pleasure to be with you today along with my team members to provide you with uh, program updates on the CalWORKs Public Services Trainee Program and the Refugee Assistance and Supportive Services Program. Aisha Bashir, Administrative Specialist 2, is the presenter, and she will provide an update on the CalWORKs Public Service Training Program. This program provides CalWORKs recipients with an opportunity to gain an array of services, including work experience that is transformative for the participants and their families. This program is in its 10th year of existence, and we are happy to share with you uh, updates on this program. The second presentation is on the Refugee Assistance and Supportive Services Program, which assists newly arrived refugees with various services that are critical to meeting their basic needs in their new community. Rahman Zamini, Program Specialist, and Shane Raghi, Program Services Coordinator, will, will, will present. So first we will begin with Ms. Bashir. Thank you. Thank you, Amara. Um, thank you, Supervisor Miley, Supervisor Tam, for having me. I'm here to t today to talk about what I believe is one of the best programs in Alameda County. Um, it started as a pilot program in 2014, and like um, Amada said, we're now in our 10th year. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about what the program is, what are some of the challenges, and what are some of the solutions. Um, so to begin, um, we started with a, a bold idea of what would happen if social services agency hired its clients, gave them really in-depth training and transi transitional jobs to help them get permanent jobs in the county. Um, every March of um, March of every year, we start the recruitment process. So. For cohort 10, we had over 400 people that showed interest in the program. Over 100 submitted an application and went through two um, uh, panel interviews, um, a really extensive background process. And in October of this year, we were able to hire 19 people into the program. Of those 19 people, about half of them are in uh, North Alameda County, about half are in South Alameda County. In terms of languages spoken, we have someone who speaks Mandarin, Spanish, Shana, Dari, Farsi, Pashto. Um, in terms of education levels, we have individuals that have their GED, and we actually have four gentlemen that have advanced degrees. One of them started his PhD program before um, he had to flee Afghanistan because of what was happening over there. 
Um, and those 19 people are now SSA employees, TAP employees, earning $25 an hour. When they start in October, they go through a 12-week classroom training, and that classroom training is broken up into three components. The first one is job readiness, so preparing them to apply for ideally civil service jobs. So they do things like mock interviewing, um, how to complete a county application, supplemental questionnaire. The second component of trainings are just trainings to help them get ready for when they go into their placements in Alameda County, and that includes things such as conflict resolution, um, managing up emotional intelligence. And then the third component of the training is um, designed to help them start the healing process for what, it, what the result of living in poverty. And so they do a, a significant number of trainings to help that process, talking about what is your CalWORK story, what brought you here, what are the goals and strengths that you're taking with you into your placements. Then they go into a two-week waiting room training where they're able to uh, work on the other side of the table. And then from there, they go into their 11th month apprenticeship. Um, starting in two weeks, they'll go into their apprenticeship working in different departments. And that really is where they're able to gain different skills um, and connections with supervisors who can give them the skills that they need that will help them move beyond just entry-level jobs in Alameda County. They also continue to get com continued supportive services, such as transportation and clothing. They come back and meet with me every month for um, more training and job application training. Um, and then last year, we, we were able to add a life coaching component, um, utilizing some of the trainers from our uh, TACT training department, provided life coaching to the participants. So this is some of the offices where we've been able to send the trainees over the last 10 years. Um, you can see the county office of the county council is up there. I want to highlight them because they have hosted somebody for every single year. Um, the county administrator's office, I believe, every, every year except for one. Supervisor Miley has two people with him still. Um, last year, we were able to add the public defender's office on. IT department, I'll talk about that more in detail. And um, I've been in communication with your staff, Ms. Tam, and hopefully we'll be able to send one person to you as well, at least one person. Um, these are some of the offices where they've been able to get permanent jobs in Alameda County and many of the departments. Um, they have permanent jobs, different civil service jobs, Shasta County, San Joaquin County, private corporations, community-based organizations and elsewhere. And these are our statistics since uh, 2014. So we've had 198 people come through the program. 52 now have full-time county jobs. And actually, as of today, it's 54. We had two people that just started their new positions today. Um, 77 have full-time jobs outside of Alameda County. 15 are currently TAP employees. And 25, I would say, I put unknown, either they were laid off, they quit, I, or I just don't know what's happening with them. And this number is really significant to how we run the program. Right now we have 18 people left because one of the people from this cohort just started her new role today. Um, this is how we compare to other job development programs in the county. So we have an 80% placement rate. The last time I did this presentation, our, that number was 69 
So it's actually 80% now, and, and the SSA goal is 50%. So we well, um, we're, go we're well beyond the SSA goal. 45% is the CBO placement rate, so we're well beyond that. Our starting wage is $29 an hour compared to the sum of the CBOs at $14 an hour. So this is just showing how well the program is doing and why I say it's one of the best programs in the county. This slide just gives a different uh, snapshot of um, individuals before they come into the program and then five years after they leave. So this is based off of one parent, two child household. Um, bringing in cash aid benefits might be $9,000 a year, which is about $4 an hour. That's well below the minimum wage of $15.50. When they start the program with us, they're bringing in $25 an hour. And when they leave, they're, the average is $29. And after five years, that's a $34 um, increase. So this is, looks like a really good slide. They are really making some improvements, but the reality is that this is actually horrible. Um, when I look at this slide, it makes me think that we're running a program that helps people go from poverty to working poverty. And the reason why I say that is because if you look at this next slide, the colored boxes in the middle, the yellow, green, and purple represent CPSTP. But the living wage in Alameda County is $64 an hour. The last time I came and did this presentation, that number was actually $40 an hour. So in about two years, I believe, it's gone up. That means that for a mother and her two children, in order to be able to make a living wage in Alameda County, she needs to be making $64 an hour. There's a joke in my program. A lot of them say to me, Ms. Bashir, if all I wanted was a job, I wouldn't need to be here. Like I could go to In-N-Out Burger, Burger King, or McDonald's, and I can make as much money there as I'm making here. The reason why they want to work for Alameda County, and this is something that's really important, and if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this presentation, is one, they just want stability, and they want to be able to serve their community. And that's why they're here, but it's the, the amount of money they're making to come into the program is not what the reason why they come. They come because they, they want to change their lives, and this is a program that is shown, and I'll have a slide for that later, that has the ability to do that. So these are some of the barriers that they have to deal with in addition to looking for a permanent job. Um, the quote at the top came from one of the participants this year, I take one step forward to get knocked 10 steps back. And so in trying to navigate that journey between poverty and prosperity, there's the institutional entanglements. And what I mean is that oftentimes the systems that are set up to support individuals actually have so many barriers and requirements that it actually hurts them the high cost of housing, the cliff effect, which I have an, a slide after this that explains what that is, stigma and stereotypes. And so the way that we address that is we provide poverty training and racial and equity diversion training to the offices where we're going to send our trainees so that they have less of a chance to have to deal with those stigma and stereotypes. And then also the mental overwhelm of just being living in poverty and of course, race and class. These are all of the areas that my families have to deal with in order to navigate from poverty to prosperity. Some of the additional barriers that they face, the Clift Effect, I have another uh, sheet on that, um, and that means the loss of CalWORKs. So basically, when they start with me, they're with me for a month, and then they lose their CalWORKs after a month. They lose their food stamps after five months, but because they still don't earn enough money to um, 
pay for what it costs to live in the Bay Area, they struggle. As an example, I had somebody last year was just bringing in $7,000 when she was receiving her CalWORKs with her and her teenage son, had a goal of saving $5,000, got into the program, now she's making the $52,000 a year, but could not save the $5,000, and I asked her why. She said, because before, after I had divorced, I was living in a shelter that was provided by the Asian Women's um, Health Services, and they paid her rent for a year. Soon as she got a job, she lost that, had to pay her rent, so now she's paying $2,500 a month plus feeding her teenage son. She didn't have any extra money to save. So she's basically in the same position as she was, except now she's able to pay her rent, but nothing to put towards savings. Um, in terms of the overwhelm, so just the burden of paperwork and system guidelines, all of these duties, now that they're working full time, they're still being called to appointments in the middle of the day. So either they take the appointment or they miss time off of work. So this uh, causes the overwhelm, um, the mental well-being, just having power and control over their lives, um, and then Something that came up really interesting, we had somebody come and talk to them about how they might be able to access mental health services, and a number of them said they don't access it because they're afraid that the moment they start talking about the challenges of being a parent, somebody's going to call CPS on them. So they, they didn't want to access any mental health services because of that reason. Um, and then some of the other barriers are just access to the adequate training that's going to allow them to qualify for those higher paying jobs, and then just some of the limitations around the civil service process. So these are all of the um, barriers that we attempt to address in the CPST CPSTP program. Um, this is just a little bit more of, uh, about cliff effect. So can I ask really quickly, Supervisor Miley or Tam, have you ever heard of the cliff effect? No, okay. So what this means is that if you have a, a very low-income family, they are able to qualify for all kinds of services such as housing, child care, food stamps, Medi-Cal. The moment their income goes up, they have to pay more for those services. So their services goes down, their income goes up, but they don't make enough money to actually pay for those services on their own. So they're basically in this holding space. So if you look at this slide, a mother uh, making $13,000 $13, an hour, she actually qualifies for Section 8 housing, Medi-Cal, school meals, food stamps, earn income credit. The moment her income goes up, though, she loses all of those benefits. So it may seem like that she's actually winning when she gets the job, but sometimes parents are making the choice that either I keep my housing or I take this job, and a lot of them are choosing the, I'm gonna keep my housing. So this is one of the challenges that my families face. The way it looks like in social services, again, the moment that they get um, hired, they lose their CalWORKs, they also lose their ability to access mental health services, they also lose their ability to access the emergency housing that's available only if you have an active CalWORKs case. So this is how the cliff effect affects the families. And so what I like to say in CPSTP is we do things differently. Um, these are some of our current strategies to address some of those barriers. So in terms of income, what we did this year is we had the individuals meet with the social worker before they started the program. The social workers were able to get them into the emergency housing. We had six people that started out as homeless 
because they met with the social worker a month and a half before they started, all of them are now housed. Um, we also have an informal partnership with the West Oakland Job Resource Center, who comes three or four times a year to provide financial training. And last year, she was able to enroll a couple of them into saving circles, where every month they put in 100 to $200, and it also boosts their credit score. So that's how we try to deal with the, the loss of income. In terms of overwhelm, something different we, differently we did this year, this year, and this was also based on research, we paid them to take a week to just get themselves ready for work. So go look for your housing. Make sure you have child care. Make sure that your house is decluttered. Make sure your brakes are working. Make sure your registration is together. We paid them while they were doing that so that once they got into the program, they didn't have to worry about missing time when they had to leave for those issues. Um, we also have a lot of different uh, CBOs come and visit Bay Area plan that teaches parents how to advocate in, within the schools. La Familia comes to talk about um, um, uh, mental health as well as uh, Family Paths comes to talk about mental health. So all year we try to have lots of different organizations come. We had somebody come from uh, Berkeley, uh, the Berkeley, not adult school, but the uh, community college to talk to them. Um, in terms of mental well-being, we um, have therapists that come and talk to them. Um, we do a lot of outdoor activities, and we have added the life coaching component. And then in terms of training, this year we're really excited to have been able to um, enter into a partnership with Love Never Fails, who uh, provided an IT training. So after the classroom training, they did additional four months of IT training and then did their internship in the IT department What's really important about that is that that training plus internship allows them to apply for jobs well beyond the $29 an hour. And like I mentioned before, we also offer the poverty and the racial and equity diversion, diversion training to all of our offices that wanted to host a trainee. Um, and then in terms of careers, again, extensive civil service prep. And the apprenticeships where we really focus on, we want you all to provide the kind of work environment um, with the skills, the skills so that when they leave, they can qualify for many permanent jobs, not just the basic entry-level jobs. And this is just a picture of some two of the IT participants at work. They came to fix the printer and computer at Eastmont. Okay, you can't hear that. Um, and so what we believe really is, is not from poverty to self-sufficiency, but from poverty to prosperity. And that takes on many different forms. And something that I want to highlight, this quote says, the opposite of poverty isn't wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this program that social services has been able to allow to exist is that we listen to our customers we listen to what works for them. This is really a client-centered and client-led program. It's bottoms up. It's culturally competent. Um, and we, take, we, we do a lot of assessments to ask the question, what works well and what didn't work well? And what didn't work well, we're always building on the program. So the program that you're seeing today is completely different than how it existed one year ago. And that's primarily because I found that SSA and, and Specifically, my supervisor 
back there really allows for that kind of freedom and flexibility to allow the voice of the participants to rise to the top and to build a program around their needs versus making them fit themselves around our needs. Um, and so this last slide, or almost last slide, I'm asking again the question of what would happen if. And so just thinking about that we already have a successful program, 80% success rate, um, what would happen if we started to think more about how we can grow this program and make it really truly a model within um, the state of California? Um, so something to think about would be you thinking about the cliff effect, um, perhaps um, allowing a CalWORKS waiver. Um, and when I worked with Family Independence Initiative uh, years before this, we were able to get a CalWORKS waiver where individuals income did not count against them when they received their cash aid. Um, so that might be a way to help participants to encourage them to utilize that money to save more or something around the Oakland Housing Authority's FSS program, Family Self-Sufficiency program, where as an individual's income goes up, Oakland Housing Authority invests that extra into an escrow account and at the end of a five-year or ten-year period, they're then able to buy a home with that. Um, or match savings. <clears throat> There's some other things on here that I think would be really helpful, one of which would be finding a way where CPSCP could be function sort of like the program worker position, where after you've complete, com successfully completed the program, you are now automatically able to apply for a job in the county uh, similar to the program worker. Um, let's see, bringing in some more outside funding to support some of the things that we're doing in here, specifically around the coaching, um, training on how to support families living in poverty. I've already started this conversation with the TAC department, uh, increasing the staff for the CPSTP program, um, Increasing placement sites, I'm really excited. We might have a place, we have a placement this year with the library and we have one potentially with environmental health. I'll know that by tomorrow. Um, and then more knowledge on the Clift effect. So this slide right here really is the words of the participants. This is what they say they have gained from the program. And I'll just end with um, a story that I'd like to share with one of the participants. She actually was in Eastmont um, for some reason, and she saw the flyer, decided that she wanted to participate in the orientation. She heard the orientation. She said, this is what I have to do. She left Florida. So she lived in Florida, moved to California, moved back to the California just so that she could participate in this program. She gets into the program. When she did the interview, she was ranked number one. We're doing some um, computer activities, and she doesn't know what she doesn't know how to use a computer. She's never used a computer, and I ask her, like, you've never used a computer in your any of your work? She said, Ms. Bashir, I used to sell dope all of my life. I don't know. I've never had to use a computer. I said, Well, I have some really good placements for you. She's a beautiful person. She really wants to give back to the community. I said, I have some really good placements. The only thing is, you need to know how to use a computer. She decided to go get herself a $30 keyboard because she didn't have a computer. How can I hook this keyboard up to my phone and practice on the computer? Last week, we did something on a computer, and before she would literally stare at the screen, didn't know how to open up Excel. She finished the Excel activity um, fifth out of the 18 people. So this, was, this is success for her.
For her, getting that little keyboard meant not having to go back to that life. And that's why she left Florida to come to Alameda County to do this program. And so this is how we measure success. Getting a job is important, but the families for them is more important to have that confidence, that self-worth, to be able to serve their community. Um, and then Supervisor Miley, I just wanted to include this in here. This is one of our favorite events of the year. Um, they, I feel like this is an opportunity really for um, the participants to come full circle, having served the community in the waiting rooms and then to come back and serve our elder community. Um, this is what success is about in the program, is, is, is lifting up our participants, inviting their voices in, learning from what they have to say, and then allowing them to give back to the community using their lived experiences only they are able to do. Um, and and, and I, like, I like to say, as one person does better, we all do better. Um, as they start to grow their skills and get those jobs and buy those homes that feeds back into Alameda County, and it solves problems. And so this is a statement that I like to re uh, repeat in the group. I am because we are, and we are because I am. That sums up the CPSTP program. And I thank you for your time and listening. This is if anybody wants to do any further reading on um, anything, I have this slide here as well. And that's it. Thank you. Okay. Any questions? Thank you for that presentation. Um, my staff, uh, Cecily Frost, had a chance to meet with you and others, and um, she was very impressed with the program, and we're looking forward to having the intern in our office. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed is uh, during her um, review, a lot of the potential um, candidates that we could place, they they're very, very qualified. Some have uh, graduate degrees and many years of experience. Mm -hmm. And when you uh, showed this graphic about from poverty to prosperity and some of the barriers that they're facing, because everywhere we're hearing is that there's a staffing shortage, right? There's mm -hmm. a worker shortage. And and we're, we're just trying to understand, is the overall job market just comp so competitive that only finding successful job options through CalWORKs, or is it because of these barriers that you were showing uh, that they're not able to get the kind of placements that is commensurate with their credentials? Um, I can't really speak to the job market. What I can say, though, is that one, even with the, the gentlemen that have those advanced degrees, um, learning how to complete a county application so that you, sh you shine is something that they didn't know how to do. Learning how to present a resume, they all had CVs um, so that it speaks to the markets here is something that they didn't know how to do. Learning how to um, really shine in the, so the situation task action result, that's the way the county interviews. So we teach how to do that. That's one of the other barriers a lot of them um, didn't know. And then a, another huge part of it is really just confidence. Like there's fear around, am I going to fit in in the county? Um, is there going to be a place for me? What are people going to say about me? And so that's the other part of what the, the program tries to provide is that consistent work, repetitive work, so that they gain that, exp that experience, that gains the confidence, and then also the connections 
in the offices that they eventually go and work for. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I had also met with a number of the, um, the FQs, the federally qualified health clinics in my district, and a lot of them are wondering if there's an opportunity for the county to partner with them to get uh, digital equity grants. There's a significant amount at the state level. I, I don't know whether we have them or not, but the, the thinking is that when you describe the situation where um, one of your clients uh, didn't get access to the computer, a lot of the you know, getting submitting your forms, getting appointments for mental health care, or even for your doctor's appointments or lab tests, everything is done mm. digitally now. And it's a lot of the um, clinics feel like they need to help or find some way of helping train or get somebody to help input that information for a lot of their patients and their clients. So I thought maybe there's some opportunity, particularly for this program, so that we can help streamline some of the application process and help them. Mm -hmm. there, uh, there absolutely is an opportunity to partner. I've never been approached by anyone um, to partner on a grant of that nature, but absolutely open to it. We also have another apprenticeship program, a medical assistant trainee program, and that's also utilizing CalWORKs participants, and we can look at both of these programs to see how we can feed into what okay. um, the clinics are doing. And, and to um, the public health department's care partners, we have somebody who did her, has, she's still there actually. They do a lot of work around the elder community trying to help them navigate those systems. And then um, adult and aging services, they had a, they had a program where they were providing um, tablets and education to their providers and some of the seniors so that they could also learn how to make their appointments online. So those are two potential resources in the county. Are there um, resources where they, they provide this information and training in other languages? The Care Partners does. Care Partners? Uh-huh. The, their lead is um, Wanda Ferguson. Thank you. Mm -hmm. well, <clears throat> great presentation. Just a few questions. That, there's a slide that's under, I don't know what slide it is. Here it's on page 20. It just says, uh, uh, Reedy training. What, what is that? Slide 20. R is it REDI? Yes. Uh, racial and equity, diversion, and inclusion training. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And then, is, I, I think this is a, a wonderful uh, program. The, um, are there any limit, what are the limitations on expanding it? Staff, um, right now I'm the, the primary staff person, and so the, the maximum that we can bring in at any given time is 24 people a year. I see. Yeah. Okay. And and then I think, are there other similar programs that are offered through the social services agency, other than just this one? Just this one. There's a medical assistant program, but that one is a little different. All of the training and services are provided by a, a CBO, community-based organization. This is the only one where the training is provided in-house. 
but, but it's still for CalWORKs participants. Both programs, in-house and external to SSA, are for CalWORKs participants. So just, <clears throat> I think um, Supervisor Tam was mentioning the fact that we have um, a staffing shortage. And 52 of the folks have gotten jobs here in the county. It would just kind of be um, really wonderful if we could figure out how we could expand this and mm -hmm. have more of a pipeline mm -hmm. for folks to fill some of the, I mean, we've got a lot of jobs mm -hmm. that are a lot of positions that are going unfilled, mm -hmm. vacancies. I agree. And, and if you look back on slide 20 where it says a CPSDP certificate program, so San Francisco County, when they had their public service training program, was, was a lot different. But one of the things that they did um, allow was that once you finished the program, you got a certificate that allowed you, when you applied for county jobs, that certificate um, counted towards some part of the minimum requirement. Um, so right now we have that, the partnership with the, um, what is that management training program where you get six months can count towards a job? Is that the, um, the community college? Y yes, where you go through the management training and yeah. then, yes, through Laney College and then six months of that counts towards um, um, the minimum requirements for a job. So having something similar to that for CPSDP and or creating a program similar to program workers. So program worker are primarily individuals that are um, re-entry. Um, but they, there's a position within Alameda County for them. So if we had something similar, one of the challenges with my folks is that if a position is not open, then they can't apply for it. Um, and then there's the tests that might be a barrier. So if we had an easier way to get into the county, I think that that would fix at least some of that um, staff shortage. Because these are folks, they know both sides of the the floor. They have that empathy, that lived experience, and then they know what it's like to provide those services to those people that need it. So they would make excellent employees. I mean, they already do. I should say they are making excellent, excellent employees. So the program that Aisha was referring to through um, Laney Community College is called PACE. I can't remember what the acronym PACE stands for, but I think it's run out of the county administrator's office. Okay. So if we wanted to go there, what how would we get from where we are to getting a, a, a certificate in place so that it make it easier for folks to maybe qualify for? Uh, um, some more research. I mean, I, I don't want to just give an answer here and it not yeah. be accurate. Yeah. Because it, I don't know, just um, 198 folks. And then this time, this cohort, you said 400 applicants? 400 people express interest, and over 400 express interest in the program, and we could only bring in 24. 24. Mm -hmm. So of the, of the rest, were they screened out just because, uh, I mean, yeah, what were the reasons they were screened out other than you could only do mm -hmm. 24? Um, simple things, but can be difficult ability to follow directions. So if you leave something blank on the application, then you'll be screened out. If you don't list all of your job history, which is a requirement for HR, you can be screened out. If you show up late to an interview, you can be screened out. So we really try to get the best 24 people possible. 
but all of those are teachable skills, and that's something that could be taught by our employment staff um, to help them get ready. And we've actually started doing that to an extent where the employment staff are doing mock interviews to help them get ready for this interview process. Uh, again, but they're short-staffed as well. Yeah. Again, that kind of begs the question, get some of those folks hired to become, a, to become in those other positions that would help to we actually have two people. They'll, they'll be joining the EC staff soon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, well, like, like you said, you know, I've had a, um, I have two people presently working for me, and I've had a couple, more than a couple, mm -hmm. a few that have worked for me over the years as well. And then um, and I think uh, one of the first persons to work for me, she's changed her name, but she's in the agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mm -hmm. can't remember... What she's changed her name. She Aurelia. Okay. Well, yeah. it was Kayla. Right. That's yeah. how I always remember her. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why she changed her name, but she did. So. But yeah, she's promoted up a couple times yeah, now. That's a, yeah, she, yeah, she visited me about a couple months ago, and I'm yeah. really pleased to hear that. Yeah, and Michael's doing well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't work for the county. He, oh, what, fatherhood he, initiative. Father, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Right, right. He's mm -hmm. the third core. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a great program. So let's see if there are any speakers. Uh, but before you go there, Supervisor, mm -hmm. just for the record, and we referenced the PACE program earlier, and it stands for a Program for Accelerated College Education. That's what PACE stands for. That's run out of the county administrator's office. And the third apprenticeship program we run out of SSA, so for CalWORKs recipients, it's the Early Education Apprenticeship Program, and it's a child, a child development, child care type program where CalWORKs recipients get trained um, to either have their own business and provide child care services or to work in Head Start. And that partnership is with First Five Alameda County and the Tipping Point. So we have three apprenticeship programs that serve CalWORKs recipients. And, and before we have the speakers, I'm trying to recall, have we had um, presentations on the, those other two? I'm just trying to recall. No. Because mm -mm. I'd, I'd be very interested to have the committee hear about the other two programs and kind of see what the history's been and how those programs are working. We will make that happen. That'd be great, yeah. And there, and those other two are CalWORKs mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, um, and, and they've, yeah. Um, I think the early education has been in existence since 2018 or 2019, medical assistance trainee program around that same time. Mm -hmm. Okay, real good, real good, okay. So let's okay. see if there's any public speakers on this. I have, I have no speakers on item one. Okay. All right. Well, thank okay. you so very thank much you. for this thank you both. report today, this informational report. So our next report is um, Refugee Assistance and Supportive Services. Good afternoon, President Miley and Supervisor Tam. Thank you for the opportunity to present an overview of refugee assistance and supportive services this afternoon. My name is Rahman Zamani, and with me this afternoon will be... I'm Shane Raghi, Program Services Coordinator at Alameda County Social Services. Next slide, please. Today we will cover the following. 
who is considered a refugee, Alameda as a refugee-impacted county, benefits and services provided to refugees in Alameda County, public assistance provided through Alameda County Social Services Agency, refugee supportive services provided through uh, community-based organizations, that's CBOs, our partner in serving refugees, and a brief information regarding newcomers' website. Next slide, please. Alameda is one of refugee-impacted counties. According to the California Department of Social Services, certain counties where large population of refugees reside are designated as refugee-impacted counties. The current refugee-impacted counties are Alameda, Los Angeles, Orange, Sacramento, San Diego, San Francisco, Santa Clara, and Stanislaus. In 1983, the County Board of Supervisors designated the Social Services Agency to be the agency responsible for administering refugee services program in Alameda County. This responsibility includes, but is not limited to planning, implementing, and monitoring programs funded by the Office of Refugee Resettlements, that's ORR. Next slide, please. Thank you. Based on their immigration status, the term refugee in this, in this presentation includes the following groups who are qualified and potentially eligible for refugee benefits and services. Admitted as refugees, any person who is outside of their country of nationality, who is unable or unwilling to return to, the, to that country because of persecution or a well-founded fear of persecution. Refugees apply for and receive this status prior to entry into the U.S. Granted asylum, unlike refugee asylees or individuals who are in the U.S. either legally or without documents, and fear they will be persecuted if they return to their country of origin. Cuban and Haitian entrants, they are nationals of Cuba or Haiti who are in the U.S. and are granted this special status. Afghan and Iraqi special immigrants visa holders or SIVs, they are persons from Afghanistan and Iraq who were employed by or assisted the U.S. Army for, Armed Forces uh, with translation and interpretation services and issued special immigrant visas. Humanitarian parolees is a special immigration status that allow individuals who are otherwise ineligible to enter the U.S. for a short time due to an emergency or a public interest. They are Afghan Humanitarian Parolees, or AHPs, 
Ukrainian Humanitarian Parulis or UHPs, Non-Ukrainian Humanitarian Parulis or NUHPs. Next slide, please. Uh, the victims of humanitarian trafficking, domestic violence, and other uh, serious crimes are also qualified and eligible for the, these services. All applicants and recipients must meet all conditions of eligibility, including having a qualifying immigration status, being under the income and resources limits, participating and employment and training services to become self-sufficient. Next slide, please. Thank you. For support services, priority concentration in addition to, e to cash assistance for eligible refugees will be based on the following uh, criteria. First, newly arrived refugees, those entered the U.S. With the, within the past 12 months. Second, unemployed refugees who are receiving cash assistance, RCA or call works. Third, unemployed refugees who are not receiving cash assistance and have not been in the U.S. for more than 60 months. And fourth, employed refugees in need of services to retain employment or to attain uh, economic independence. Next slide, please. Refugees who resettle in the United States are rarely having access to personal resources in their homeland or sources of income in the U.S. when they first arrive. To sustain themselves until they become self-sufficient, refugees may apply for public assistance benefits. Benefits include cash assistance, either RCA for 12 months, or call works for those with children for 60 months. Medical for their medical needs, mental health is also included. Call fresh for their food and nutrition needs and refugee support services. Next slide, please. Thank you. Recipients, in, recipients of cash assistance are also enrolled in Refugee Support Services Program, that's uh, RSS. The purpose of the RSS is to help refugees adjust their lives in the U.S. and to assist them become self-sufficient as soon as possible. These services are provided through contracted community-based organizations or CBOs, who possess the cultural competencies as well as the specific language capacities required to serve Alameda County's diverse refugee populations. Key program components are employment services to provide job readiness, job search, job placement, and job retention and re-employment services, vocational English as a second language or whistle, Classes to assist participants to become employed. Social adjustment and social integration services. Case management so that they are linked to critical resources that assist them 
and becoming integrated members of American society and attain self-sufficiency. Services for Older Refugees, or SOR. The goal of the SOR program is to decrease the social isolation among older refugees. Participants will receive services including language and citizenship training. They will also be provided with recreational activities and uh, involvement in various community events. Trafficking and Crime Victims Assistance Program, or TCVAP, to assist eligible non-citizen victims of trafficking and domestic violence in fulfilling their immediate needs, getting the skills needed for finding employment and gaining economic independence. Next slide, please. Thank you. This slide shows overview of program enrollment from applications to interviews and verifications, eligibility determination, benefits issues, RCA or call works, based on clients' English language proficiency, clients are referred to contracted service providers, either program for low English proficiency clients, or LEP, or career pathways employment and training, or CPET program, for those who are proficient in English language. Next slide, please. Thank you. Other support services available to refugees include addressing barriers to employment, for example, mental health and substance use disorders or language disability, transportation assistance, childcare assistance, diaper allowances, domestic violence services, uh, homeless assistance. Next slide, please. In Alameda County, we are fortunate to have several community-based organizations who are providing support services to our refugees in Alameda County. We maintain working relationships with these organizations as community partners and through our contracted services. For our community partners, I'd like to take note that we have two primary resettlement agencies who are serving Alameda County. This is the International Rescue Committee, Oakland, and the Jewish Family and Community Services of East Bay. Next slide, please. We have many different types of refugees arriving in Alameda County. The most common refugee groups applying for benefits match those that Ramadid spoke to on slide four, with the addition of Nicaraguan and Venezuelan citizens and nationals. While many principal recipients of services are no longer eligible for refugee cash assistance, their families, including their children, their spouses, and their parents are still arriving here in Alameda County. Next slide, please. Before providing information on our contracts and funding, I'd like to provide some background information on our procurement of our existing contracts. Our social integration contract was last sent to bid in 2020. Bids were received from Refugee and Immigrant Transitions and the Global Communication Education and Art Local, with Refugee and Immigrant Transitions being our highest scoring bidder. Our Trafficking and Crimes Victims Assistance Program contract was last sent to bid also in 2020. A single bid was received, 
from the International Rescue Committee Oakland, who met all requirements of the RFP. Our employment services, vocational English as a second language, and social adjustment contract, was all, which I will refer to uh, as our LEP program contract, was last sent to bid in 2020. Bids were received from Lao Family Community Development Incorporated and La Familia. To remove challenges of a single organization, delivering the variety of services that would be included in this contract, social services recommended the creation of a consortium to allow the expertise and resources of several organizations throughout Alameda County to lead the way. Our, we have two contracts, that one covering the north and the other covering the south portion of Alameda County. From the procurement of those contracts, we obtained our social integration and services for older refugees contract. It provides services countywide by the refugee and immigrant transitions and their subcontractor, Burma Refugee Families and Newcomers. The federally funded contract has a five-year term and through August of 2026 will provide refugees with social integration services assisting with their transition into the United States. It also provides for services and activities specific to the needs of our older refugees. We're currently working on a new standard services agreement that will allow us to incorporate an additional $338,741 in federal funding to specifically provide services for our older Afghan refugees. Our LEP programs contract consortium in our North County is led by Lao Family Community Development and it includes the International Rescue Committee Oakland, Refugee and Immigrant Forum, Burma Refugee Families and Newcomers, Laney College, and the East Bay Refugee and Immigrant Forum. The South County Consortium is led by La Familia, and it includes the International Rescue Committee Oakland, Burma Refugee Families and Newcomers, Hayward Adult School, and Fremont Adult and Continuing Education. The state and federally funded contract provides employment and language services to refugees learning English as a second language, and it assists with creating financial self-sufficiency plans and achievement of those goals through employment. It also assists with the transition into the United States. Our Housing Assistance for Ukrainians program is under this contract. Through case management services and referrals, rental and utility support would be provided to eligible individuals. The contract also includes the East Bay Refugee and Immigrant Forum's responsibility for management of the East Bay Refugee Meetings, the East Bay Refugee Steering Committee, World Refugee and Immigrant Day, and the oversight of our newcomers' website. Our Trafficking Crime Victims Assistance Program's contracted services are provided countywide by the International Rescue Committee Oakland. This state and federally funded program provides services to assist eligible non-citizen victims of trafficking and domestic violence in fulfilling their immediate needs and getting their skills needed for finding employment and gaining economic independence. Through current and pending contracts, over $11 million is being infused into direct client services within the Refugee Supportive Services programs in Alameda County. Next slide, please. The fall of the government in Afghanistan in 2021 and the start of the war in Ukraine in 2022 have resulted in California and Alameda County receiving an increased number of refugees. Due to this, Alameda County has received increased state-directed allocations of federal funding for our refugee supportive services. From 2021 to present, refugee supportive services base funding and supplemental allocations have received a total of $6 million 
$513,000 and $513,082. Comparatively, Contra Costa County has received no state-directed Refugee Supportive Services allocations, while Santa Clara County has received $9,777,853. Allocation amounts are not equally divided amongst California counties. The state determines allocations based on data, formulas, and calculations. Next slide, please. Prior to, to providing information on this slide, I ask you to please take note at the top right of the screen, there is a number referencing 2,237 individuals. That was a typo and should reflect 2,238. With that identified, please note that CalWORKs and RCA applications received between October 1st, 2021 to August 30th, 2023, resulted in approval of 1,000 353 public assistance cases that represent 2,238 unduplicated individuals. Additionally, our highest results for applications by non-citizen status data shows that our applications were predominantly submitted by those in refugee and lawfully admitted permanent resident status. Next slide, please. Our public assistance data also showed that our highest countries of origin information was available. And with that, we identified that 60% of our applicants originating country was Afghanistan. The next highest countries of origin being Mexico and the Ukraine at 9%. Next slide, please. Resulting from many of those applications, our last full year of fiscal data identified that all 660 individuals enrolled in our refugee cash assistance program received employment services. 482 of those also received language training, and 87 of those 660 gained full or part-time employment with an average wage of $19.52 per hour. Next slide, please. Resettlement agency data shows Alameda and our neighboring counties are projected to receive an unduplicated number of 1,070 arrivals through September 2024. These numbers are not an exact reflection of individuals who may request services in Alameda County. It's important to identify this because International Rescue Committee Oakland resettles individuals in both Alameda and Contra Costa County, while Jewish Family and Community Services resettles individuals in Alameda, Contra Costa, and Santa Clara County. We also understand that after resettlement, many individuals relocate due to the cost of living for our housing in Alameda and our neighboring counties. Next slide, please. In September 2023, our county site, Newcomers Welcome, had a soft launch. It was launched with its English content, and it's providing resource and information to support the arrival of all newcomers in Alameda County. There is a spring 2024 official site launch that is scheduled, and it's intended to include Dari, Pashto, Spanish, Chinese, and Ukrainian content. Next slide, please. As an additional resource, we have invested in the update of our agency website. This user-friendly site provides information on a variety of refugee supportive services. These include refugee cash assistance, the cash assistance program for immigrants, refugee supportive services, social integration, immigrant relations, and trafficking and crime victims assistance program. Next slide, please. Thank you for allowing us to present today. At this time, do you have any questions in regards to today's presentation? Um, 
Thank you, President Miley. On your slide 14, can I get some clarification? So um, these are state and federal allocations, like the 6.5 million for Alameda County and the 9.7 for Santa Clara County? That's correct. So, and we in turn at the county uh, contract with community-based organizations completely with these allocations, is that where? That's correct. In social services, we actually do, we have, create no administrative costs for our programs. We do 100% of pastors' direct client services with that, the funding that's received. Okay, and um, I'm just kind of curious why, is it because Contra Costa County didn't submit any or didn't gather any data that they got no allocation? Ramon can probably speak to that better, but I, I, I'll let him. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there are refugee-impacted counties, which are housing a large number of uh, refugees. And uh, every county in the state is providing cash assistance to refugees. But those impacted, refugee-impacted counties are also providing employment services, vocational English as a second language, and social adjustments and other services. In Contra Costa County, they are not providing those services. Okay. The numbers are changing with the influx of uh, refugees. So now we have also few more counties in the states which are considered as uh, refugee-impacted counties. That includes, uh, for instance, Fresno and some other counties. Um, where do most refugees in get their information for these type of services? Is it online or is it, because I, I know you, you, there's a great website and, and we're very welcoming, it's just I'm not sure how they get it. For refugees who are coming here to the state and also to the county, they are resettled through resettlement agencies. Okay. These resettlement agencies are providing up to three months of services that include receiving them from the airport, providing housing, taking care of their immediate foods, clothing, other needs, also helping them to enroll their children in school and to enroll them in public uh, benefits program. So that's the main source when uh, they are coming, they get that information. And then when they apply to public benefits to Alameda County Social Services agencies, they are linked with the contracted service providers for these supportive services, which includes employment and trainings and others. So that's the main source. For a few other uh, newcomers, which are not newcomers, for instance, the asylees, you're already here for some time, but the partner agencies, the, the county's website, the newcomers' website, also the state websites, all providing links and resources. So they get also some outreach services from different organizations to enroll in the public benefit programs. Okay. So, so we're, sounds like these organizations are proactive in uh, reaching out uh, when they're at the airport. So when we had that situation where the governor of Texas and Florida decided they would like to transport 
them to California? Uh, were the community-based organizations receiving them, or do they uh, go through a, mainly some of the foundations? My understanding is that they will be considered non-citizens which are not provided, which are not eligible for refugee assistance programs. Uh, some of them may receive at the border uh, uh, some documentations or status like parolees. So for some of these parolees like Cuban and Asian entrants, they are eligible, but others are not eligible. Uh, so there were, for parolees, there were two exceptions uh, recently in the last two or so years. One was for the Afghan parolees after collapse, collapse of uh, regime in Afghanistan. A large number of these people boarded planes. There was a chaos. They arrived here. They were housed in uh, army uh, stations or camps for a while. Their documents were processed. But on a humanitarian basis, they were issued parolee status. So the Afghan parolees and also the Ukrainians are the two exceptions that they are eligible for the ORR refugees. Uh, to add to that, in Alameda County, we are uh, in a good position. Some services are provided by federal government through their funds. For those services which are not provided through them, the state is providing additional services. For instance, for the Trafficking and Crimes Victims Program, to fill the gap, they are providing the state-funded. And for some other services which the federal government and state is not providing, the county general fund is providing those services. But our priority is first to utilize federal funds, then state months, and at the end, the county fund. Thank you. Professor, if I may just add one other note. Uh, as I mentioned on slide 11, we try to do a very important, we know the important work that we're doing, and we, tr we recognize that those community-based organizations that we work with, maintaining those connections are really important to us. And so we work with them and keep open communication. Uh, the East Bay uh, Regional Immigrant Forum, they're a, a group comprised of 30 community-based organizations that serve all of San Francisco Bay Area. And so for us, we know we can't be everywhere at all times, but what we try to do is be with trusted partners who are actually in deep in the community and have those connections. And so when individuals come, um, under whatever the circumstances, whether they're dropped off in a bus or whether or not whatever's happening, if people know in those organizations what's happening, we, those relationships we build with them allow for them to go ahead and get those referrals back to us. And so it's kind of a conduit method that we're utilizing to make sure we're getting people the services that, that they need. I hope that helps answer that. that it does. Thank you. Yeah, a few questions. So with the eligibility factors, um, so we know, we know folks who are eligible than there are folks who aren't eligible. Do we have the, the universe of any particular point in time, the numbers that are eligible and the numbers that are not eligible, and you know, any reference in time? As I mentioned in one of these slides, they, the applicants needs to uh, to meet all the requirements. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
the immigration status is very important, but also there is the eligibility starting time. For most of refugees, with the exception of those parolees who spend some time in the refugee camps, in the sorry, in the army camps, their uh, benefit starting time is from the time they are entering United States. Uh, for those parolees, when they enter the community, that was changed. For asylees, it's different. It's from the the date their asylum is granted, and uh, for the others to to follow those uh, rules. So for cash assistance, for refugee cash assistance, that's for individuals or couples without eligible children. The duration for eligibility is total of 12 months. But for those uh, with eligible children, they are enrolled in call works program and they will receive their uh, benefits for 60 months, the cash assistance. But for other supportive services and other services, uh, they are eligible for supportive services up to five years. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. Well, not really. But I'll give you, I'll give you um, a better way of understanding it. So the population of Alameda County is about 1.6 million people. Okay. So do we have a reference like this is 2024? Let's go back to 2023, 2022. Do we know how many refugees were eligible in 2022 and how many were not eligible in 2022? Do we, do we have that yes, type we, of data? Yes, we have data. And one of these slides, my colleague. Supervisor Miley, I hope this helps. Uh, we can get any year data for you that, that you, if you want a specific year of 21 to 22 or pre-20. What we provided in today's presentation, uh, I had mentioned on slide 15 mm -hmm. about the number of uh, cases that we had approved. Mm -hmm. I also have a reference for that period of time that I mentioned earlier, October 1st, 2021 through August 30th of 2023. We unfortunately did have 98 cases that represent 366 individuals that were denied in that period. So we had the 1,353 that were approved in terms of unduplicated cases, 98 uh, that were denied out of the total 1,451. And again, for that individual count, 2,238 2, individuals uh, were approved, unduplicated individuals, and 366 individuals were unfortunately denied. Is, is that more specific to the data you were looking for? Yeah, yeah I'm going to ask a little bit more about this. Okay. So let's see. Um, it says 26... 04 individuals by non-citizen received. Yes, what does that mean? The, the non-citizen, so when we looked at our CalWORKs and our RC applications, we can identify non-citizen status to be able to determine who individuals are to separate out and pull out that specific data. So these are the individuals I believe that you're specifically asking about, those, as we've identified in this, this presentation today, refugees. And so we pulled out our refugee data and specifically called out those specific numbers from that period of 2021 up until 2023. So that's the total universe. 
right of there. that was the, of the total applications received unduplicated, oh, okay. the total that were denied, and the total that were approved. Yes. I see. Okay. So there, there, there's there's others out there, but either they didn't apply or um, um, they're not qualified. Yeah, this is indicative of just those individuals who submitted a public assistance application and they were non-citizens. So if someone didn't apply for services, we wouldn't, we, we did not bring that type of data today. I apologize. So what, what oh, but you, you, you have that type of data? We may be able to pull that information, but when their status changes from refugee status to, uh, to a permanent residence or to citizens, and if they need services, then they will not be enrolled in refugee program, but in the other programs like in call works or general assistance. So they'll be out of the refugee. They will still classification will be in another. Oh, Correct. Okay. Um, so are, are refugees considered undocumented immigrants? They are considered. The refugees are people like who got refugee status when they were outside. They were allowed to come and get visa as a refugee to resettle here, or they are asylees, or they are those entrants, the Cuban and other entrants or victims of trafficking. All of these, for the benefits, we call them refugees. Mm -hmm. But the other non-documented Clients which are not having these immigration status are not considered refugees. So, so what do we know? What impact the, the others are having on, you know, on the county? Do they get any type of assistance or anything? Or what happens with folks who are not considered refugees? I, can I mean, you, you might not be able to answer the question. I'm just trying to get a sense of what. What happens, I mean, we're working with the refugees who have been classified as refugees, but there's a whole universe of folks who are not receiving any services, any okay. refugee services. So um, currently, <clears throat> undocumented. Um, uh, Antoinette, introduce oh, yourself. I'm sorry. My name is Antoinette Burns. I'm the Divisional Operations Services Manager over the Program Planning and Support Division. So this is my staff. So I just wanted to add, um, when it comes to undocumented these are pretty much what um, we considered illegal immigrants. So they're not entitled to any cash or CalFresh. However, they are entitled to Medi-Cal. Right. And we had the Medi-Cal um, expansion right. this year. So for the um, pretty much the general population, we had the young adult expansion and the older adults. So pretty much every individual is eligible for Medi-Cal. Right. But that's the only service that undocumented are um, eligible for from social services yeah. at this so, time. Right, right. Because I know the county was supporting through Health Pack, I think, um, well, Medi-Cal Medi services for undocumented. So I'm just asking a question out of curiosity. So if we know how many folks are receiving Medi-Cal who are undocumented, um, of that number, some of them are then become refugees? No. Or none of them become refugees? No. So our undocumented population, they would have to get either uh, LPR status 
or mm -hmm. become a naturalized citizen. So right. until okay. other of those happen, they're not considered okay. a refugee as it relates to our okay. program. Okay, all right. So I think this committee gets an update on um, on um, Medi-Cal. Do we get, or does that go to the health committee? Um, it's mostly the health committee. The, the updates you would receive about Medi-Cal would be overall caseload data in social service social services, but you might get more information from the health committee as it relates. But to I recall, do we get any information on like Medi-Cal enrollment? Yes. We, we and get, on occasion last year, um, there was a joint presentation from healthcare and social services about Medi-Cal enrollment. Okay. Because I know the our super, former supervisor Valle and Chan, they had an, a, a com, an ad hoc committee on immigrant services. Is that committee still functioning, or what's going on with that committee? Actually, uh, Director Ford and I were having that conversation before this meeting. She can elaborate. So, as far as um, we're aware, the committee served its purpose. The final report was issued, and then the committee was dissolved. I see. And then with the refugees, um, if you were to kind of um, chart it, has, has what's, what's kind of been the, the trend? Have we, are we seeing more now because of what's going on in Afghanistan or Ukraine or whatever than, than in the past and maybe... Forty years ago, thirty years ago, we there was an uptick because of maybe Vietnam. I, I don't know. I'm just asking to kind of get a sense of this. There are caps for refugees. Annual annual caps. Mm -hmm. Refugees are allowed to come to the United States, and then they are distributed through uh, resettlement agencies. They are coming, those are the regular refugees, and then we have asylees and others numbers. But the first influx was in 21, in August of 21. Suddenly we had uh, more than 80,000 of uh, refugees coming to the United States, the parolees included, SIVs. So that was the first influx, which started with collapse of regime in Afghanistan. And then we had in the, around February of 22, the Ukraine war started with Russian invasion. So then we had another influx of those refugees. Those uh, initial recipients who were resettled here in Alameda County uh, for cash assistance benefits those who arrived here till September of last year, the end of September last year, they are receiving cash assistance. But now, not new initial uh, applicants, only families, parents and children of those who are resettled here from Ukraine and from Afghanistan, they are still arriving. And Professor Miley, I'm so, Supervisor Miley, if I may add, one other piece of information that may be helpful to us, we had an administration change take place in the federal government as well. And the policies in those administrations were very different from the last administration to the current administration. And we know that also had a direct impact on the way that we were allowing the numbers that we were allowing folks to come into the United States. So that was also a, another. And I just want to add that 
The, those statements are reflected in slides 15 and 16, so you'll be able to see that growth. Okay. Uh, let's see if there are any public speakers, and I'll see if I have any other questions. I have no speakers on item two. Okay. So let's see. So the number of cases is 1,300 roughly, 2,200 individuals over that um, roughly two-year period. And then we've had folks that have actually gone from refugee status into another classification. Um, do we, do, I'm not asking for that today, but would that data be available too? Uh, could you please repeat it, which data? There are folks that have gone from refugee status into other classifications, other programs, things of that nature. Do we have that kind of data? Do we track that? As For well. the refugee program, we, we can look to that. I don't have that data readily available. But that's but, available. But we can. We yeah, can I'm not asking you. I'm just curious about we that. We can look okay. at it. And then, For some of these refugees, when they, when their cash assistance or time on aid, we call is expired, then for some other benefits, like for medical, they will switch to uh, different types of medical. Anyone who is exiting the refugee cash assistance program will be assessed and evaluated for eligibility under other programs, mm -hmm. uh, depending on their needs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then back to Supervisor Tam, she asked a question. So the total cost of the program for the last two years roughly was $6.5 million? That is the money that's been provided to us by the state from with, with federal allocations, and so that money is being put, has been put or is being put into contracts, yes. But is, there, is that the total cost of the program, or is there other money that the county's put into it? That, that is, I would okay. say that's definitely the cost of the program, okay. yes. Okay. All right. Okay, well, this, thanks. Do you have any other questions? I know a lot of the trending data is not really um, relevant because it depends on global affairs. It depends on the politics of the federal government. Um, but clearly, a lot of the organizations that I've talked to, the supervisors, including some of the, the Jewish American groups, they um, are feeling like there's a need for increased allocation. So is that allocation tied to the data they submit to us that we submit to the federal and the state government? Of social services agencies. Uh, here is uh, based on different formulas they are having. Uh, it's the state which is allocating and definitely the number of refugees in different categories served by the county is one of the factors. Uh, recently for the refugee cash assistance, it was not recently last year. There, 
duration of cash assistance was increased from eight months to 12 months. That was based on demand by some of these advocates that the duration of eight months to become self-sufficient is not enough. So there was that one change which improved cash assistance to uh, refugees. And one other thing, would we be expecting more refugees coming in, let's say from Gaza, because of what's going on there, down the road? Is that something we would expect, or once again, does that depend on the federal well, government? For expectation, we are working closely with the resettlement agencies. The main resettlement agency in Alameda County is International Rescue Committee. We also have the Jewish Families Community, mm -hmm. which is based in Contra Costa. They are housing clients here, and also... Uh, there are other sister agency from Silicon Valley's housing clients here. So the projection for new arrival is coming from them. Mm. And they have two sources. One is their headquarters. There are a couple of international resettlement agencies. Uh, they are receiving those assignments and numbers from their headquarters to get ready for them when they are arriving to provide services. And then some of them are having their own projections based on their experience and based on the, some other information which their headquarters are receiving. For Alameda County Social Services Agency, we are starting from the time they are applying for benefits. Mm. So we have data from that point. I see. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think just, just to add to that, as Supervisor Tam had identified, it can be a very changing and evolving situation. Had we been presenting to you in February of 2020, not anticipating the fall, the governmental collapse in Afghanistan, we would have never known it was going to come at that point in time. The same can be said about the Ukrainian war. Uh, so I think that for us, it's a very difficult thing to determine and project what could be happening outside of what's, what's given to us. And we do know that through our local resettlement agencies, they have a projection through September of 2024 for us to receive 1,070 unduplicated individuals. Mm -hmm. So, And that number is only those, of course, coming through the resettlement agencies. Anyone that's coming through other means to come to Alameda County certainly would not be accounted for in that number. Um, but again, things that could influence that, a administrative change, right, and changes in our policies at the borders could really affect that. So that's why I apologize. We probably can't give you the clearest answer that you might like, but I think we've given you an idea of, of the... Yeah. Thank you. No, no that, that's helpful. Yeah. Helpful, just very informative, very interesting. Okay. So if there are no, no, other, no public speakers on this item... Okay. So thank you. So those are our two items for today. So we'll take public comment on non-agenda items. I have no speakers. No speakers? Okay. So the social services meeting for Monday, January 22nd is adjourned. Thank you.